Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm Laura, a traveler and writer with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plate slash on our mind. Boom. Here we are. Before we get started on anything, I have to say our Halloween episode, we made a major mistake. Oh, what did we do? We forgot the worst candy in the entire world. Oh, what is it? Do you remember Runts? You have a... Do you have... Were you ever... they the banana flavored things? Yes. Mmm. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> like, I still think Good and Plenty is worse, though. Maybe... Okay, maybe Good and Plenty, but I just had this, like, this moment where I realized, oh, yeah, those little fruit things. Right. Little, they were shaped in the shape of the fruit that they were supposed to be. Yeah. But the banana Runts oh. were literally... So bad. Straight from the devil's butt. Like, <laughs> so bad. Well, what were the other fruits in it? Like, apple, orange, and then there was a grape okay. one, and then there was a lime one, lemon. Mm. But, but the banana. All I can think of is the banana, though. Because they were so bad. Yeah. That's real bad. So, if anyone listened to that episode and you were like, what about runs? <laughs> Sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty. So yeah. yeah. Which also, reminder... If you want to talk about your favorite or least favorite Halloween candy, give us a call. Yeah. Just Ring a ding ding. 717-964-0215. Did I get it right? Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Put us in your phone. Yeah. Make us a favorite. Call us. <laughs> My, you... I really, I have really silly salty sweets this week. Like, okay. really stupid. Like, nothing heavy. Okay, you go first. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, my salty is I'm going through that weird phase every girl goes through every year or so mm-hmm. where they're like, I just really want, like, to cut my hair. Like, I really oh, want to okay. get bangs. I want bangs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we get bangs. <laughs> um, every girl goes through this phase. Me, it's, like, probably a yearly occurrence where I'm like, what if I just chopped it? Or yeah. what if I did this? And I've never, ever actually gotten the balls to do mm, okay. a major chop like you did. Yeah. For your 30th. So uh, here I am. Yeah. Like on Pinterest. What would I look like if yeah. I had a lob mm. or yeah. French girl bangs or Ooh. I have a lot of hair and it's thick, but it's like individually it's not. It's just a normal sort of texture. Mm. And I've, I've had a haircut from hell. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That happened to me when I was in high school. Chopped it and dyed it black. Yeah. And that so you're was a little scarred. <laughs> I have a little PTSD <laughs> from that terrible haircut, but uh-huh. I've had long, light brown slash blondish hair for a while, and I was just like, maybe I'll change it. When was the last time you had bangs? I had side bangs, like you remember in high school when those sort of like yeah side Misha bangs? Barton bangs. Yeah, Misha Barton bangs. Good. Yeah, exactly. I had those <laughs> uh, till I was like a senior in high school. Okay, were they high maintenance or low maintenance for your really hair? low maintenance? Oh, okay, yeah. So you can you can do a bang. I could probably do a bang. Yeah, I think my uh, the only thing is I go to bed with wet hair, so I'd have to figure mm. out maybe I dry that and then mm-hmm. let the rest of my hair air dry. Right. But whatever. Thinking yeah. about it. So if anyone wants to like you know screenshot my face and yeah. send me pictures of how to cut your hair like this because you have a very round face. Yeah. So you need the right cut to frame it. Right. Like I can't yeah. have just like a blunt. Bob, because I would look. Right. You know what sparked this whole thing? I was sending you pictures of Halloween <laughs> costumes, <laughs> and I looked at myself because I 
I had such pin straight hair. Yeah. Now I don't. It's all like big and wavy. Uh-huh. But I had those bangs. Yeah, you did. Yeah. The 90s girl bangs. And I was like, oh, I might be able to rock that. So I'm thinking about, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but, One thing I say to Robert a lot, like, especially before I cut my hair, when I was like kind of in the same thing of like, I just feel like I need to change. <laughs> I kept saying, I'm tired of the shape of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like, it just... You know, you feel like it becomes boring and you yeah. need to change it somehow. Yeah. And now I'm everywhere I look, if I'm on Instagram or Pinterest, I'm like, oh, her hair is kind of cool. Like, I've mm-hmm. never noticed hair the way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But when it's like, you in know, your brain. top of mind, then you start noticing everything. Yeah. So my salty is I'm in that weird phase where I'm like, I'm just I'm over the shape of my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, what's your sweet? My sweet is I, uh... Have been getting really good at turning my phone off by 9.30. Oh, okay. So. Like putting your phone to bed? Yes, putting my phone to bed around 9.30. I am one of those people who likes to be, like, asleep by 10, 10, 15. Mm-hmm. So giving myself from 9.30 to 10, just no technology, my phone is asleep. Yeah. My alarm is set, and I'm reading mm-hmm. until I conk out. Mm-hmm. And it's been really great because there was a period of time where, you know, you're on your phone and then next thing you know, your eyes are getting, and yeah. you have that blue light glaring in your face and you like have weird sleep issues. But yeah. I've been getting really good about putting my bed to sleep or my bed to sleep, <laughs> my phone to sleep <laughs> at 930. Good. So that's been really good. And I've tried to just be more aware of times when my phone should just not be out. So mm-hmm. yesterday my phone didn't even come out of the room until... Like, noon, like, lunchtime. Oh, wow. That's cool. Less less screen time. One thing I've done for a few months now is I set up the screen time things. Yeah. So most of my apps I can't access between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. Nice. So it helps me a lot after dinner to not get sucked into, like, especially Instagram the Instagram land. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's usually when I'm, like... Trying to do blog or podcast stuff and be productive and then go to bed. Mm-hmm. And there are so many times, too, when I'll stop working at 9 and then be like, well, let me just check in with Instagram one more time before bed. And then I'm on there for 15 minutes. And then yeah. then I'm getting to bed late and it's just unnecessary. Maybe I'll do that, too. Yeah, I haven't set like, up anything like that, but maybe I will. Yeah, it really helps me change my habits because it's a good reminder because you go to your phone and it's kind of grays out the app. And if you click on it, it has um, a blank screen that says, um, like, screen time limited or whatever. Right. And you could ignore it if you want to. But then you're it's literally asking you, do you want to do this? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And you have to actively say, yes. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, that would actually be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, I'm assuming yours are heavy hitters since mine was <laughs> pretty stupid. <laughs> my salty is a bit of a heavy hitter. Okay. So, you remember my... Marathon mammogram appointment. Yeah. Well, I got the bill for it. <gasps> Don't tell me. Guess how much do you think it is? And for, remind to, me, remind okay. me again what you got. You Recap: had... I had a standard screening mammogram, uh-huh. but then they saw something, so we did a secondary 3D mammogram on the one side. Right. Still saw the thing, so then I got an ultrasound. Oh God. Um. Which, this was all fine. It was a thing I have called fibroadenoma, so they just had to make sure that's what we were seeing. And then I had just my normal physical exam with my doctor. So that was, like, over the course of three and a half hours. I'm going to go 
I'm going to guess $800. It was $1,200. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so... Sarah, that's awful. It is. And so going into this, I knew that I would probably have to jump through some hoops to make sure that I was charged correctly because my doctors kept telling me that my initial mammogram should be covered in full because I'm high risk. Uh So even though I'm under the age of 40, which according to like Obamacare... Screening mammograms once a year are free for women over 40. But you're high risk. But I'm 30. So so I was like, I'm probably going to get dinged as being like, this doesn't count. And I'm probably going to have to contact people and make sure I was charged appropriately being a high risk patient and stuff. So I got the bill and it was higher than I expected. So I'm like, okay, let me call insurance, call the the doctor's office and (sighs) whatever. So I spent like longer than my lunch break one day just on the phone Talked to a, a woman at Penn State Hershey who walked through every charge on my bill. Because that's the other thing. You get these bills and they kind of don't make sense. Right. You need you someone see to see charges and then what you were actually charged. But it turns out that I was charged correctly. And my initial screening mammogram that started off the whole appointment was covered in full. So, so it cost me. And here's the other thing. That's horrible. I already pay f- almost $500 a month for my health insurance. And it cost me $1,200 to have a 3D mammogram on one boob, an ultrasound on one boob, and then to have a doctor play with my boobs. Okay? <laughs> cost me $1,200 for that with health insurance. insurance. Health insurance that you're already paying so much for a out lot of pocket. For. Yes. So, like, what the hell are we doing? The system in this is country. rigged. The system, yeah. it's so awful. So, are you kidding me? Yeah. So... And good news is they put me on a 15-month payment plan, so I'm paying, like, $81 a month. So, but it's, like, a a year and a half of me paying for this appointment, and I have another one next year, which hopefully should just be the free mammogram. You read all these articles about women who have, or men who get cancer, and then they literally go into debt. I know. And that's the thing. It's, like, I would like to not go into medical debt until I actually have cancer, it would be nice to not be in medical debt constantly, just making sure that, that when I get it, that we find it as soon as possible. You know? Just being proactive about your care yeah. is now costing you. Exactly. And so many people don't have that option. You know, like, people all the time, myself included, will choose to not go to the doctor even when we have health insurance. Yeah. Because we can't afford it. Yeah. It's so crazy. You know what? This reminds me. I just saw, I think it was, it was like a post on Facebook or Twitter or something where it was like, I want people to acknowledge now that getting a doctor's note for being sick is considered to be the ultimate sign of privilege because some people physically cannot afford Mm -hmm. to go into a doctor's, like their primary care. Or maybe they don't even have a primary care doctor to get a doctor's note to excuse them Mm -hmm. from work because that costs too much damn money. Yeah. A few years ago, I went to urgent care because I was very sick and it cost me $90 to walk in the door. Exactly. Like before I talked to anyone, they said, just so you know, with your um, insurance plan, it's going to cost you $90. Like, are you sure you want to be here? And you're like, I have to be here. This is my only option. Yeah. And then I paid another whatever for an antibiotic that didn't work because I had a virus. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Oh, my God. So I want to use this opportunity to beg everyone listening to please vote. Yes. Because according to polling, the majority of Americans are in favor of Medicare for all or at least a public option. 
And we're already up against foreign interference in our election and voter suppression. And even if we didn't have those obstacles, it wouldn't matter. Like, we're not going to get the government that we all want if everyone doesn't vote. Yeah. So, you know, please educate yourself on the candidates and vote for whoever aligns best with your values. But, like... Just vote. We all need to vote. We all need to be involved because all these things affect us every single day, even if you don't quite realize it. And we need to start paying attention and we need to vote because this is ridiculous. Right. We're considered to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and yet people within our country are like you and I who work, mm-hmm. who have full-time jobs, yeah, and you have health insurance, yeah. are now paying the price of a system that just does not work. Yeah. And there's so many other systems in our country that need to be improved, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sort of backpacking off of that, mm-hmm. like piggybacking, whatever the word backpacking. is. Backpacking. <laughs> backpacking. Backpacking. Yeah. Um, Lisa Yoder, who is our friend, mm-hmm. wrote on our Instagram the other day because she listened to our um, Taste Like Home, Taste, Taste of Home, the mm-hmm. food nostalgia episode we had, where you mentioned the cost of having a child. Uh-huh. She was like, I have so many thoughts about this. Oh my Please God. Lisa. vent with us. Please. Please. Call us yeah. and just explain what the heck's going on because mm-hmm. I know we have discussions about this all the time. It would mm-hmm. be nice to know what everyone else is thinking about this yeah, situation. Yeah, and I feel like it's something that people... Don't talk about enough. Like, no. Like, and, and just money in general, too. Like, I love talking about money. I think it's, like, empowering. I think it's informative. I think it's important for all of us to talk about this stuff and to get rid of shame around it and stuff. But, like, yeah. if your friend is having a kid or you're having a kid and you have friends who want to, please talk to them about yeah, what the, the realities are. Because, honestly, when I hear about people having kids, I'm like, how? Are, like, are they rich? You Uh, kind of have to assume that they are. You know? Yeah. I mean, if it costs me $1,200 for a mammogram appointment, like, you know, if you, if I would have had just the ultrasound, it probably would have cost me four or $500. So imagine you have a few ultrasounds during a pregnancy. There's like $1,000 right there. Not to mention what happens if your child has some sort of sickness or physical Mm -hmm. limitation or they're born with allergies or something. Yeah. that not only are you paying for you, you're paying for mm-hmm. your child's visits. Yes. Yeah. Seeing specialists, pot- mm-hmm. potentially. It's just, it's a cr- There's so crazy. many doctor's visits. Yeah. So, yeah, that's also, like, my constant salty is the healthcare system in America. And as all of our friends know, like, don't even get me started on this topic because oh. I can just <laughs> go off. But, yeah, it really concerns me, and it's ruining. It's ruining our country. Yeah. Um, it really is. So, yeah, so that's that. But then <laughs> my, my suite is, like, kind of depressing. Um, what? But <laughs> that's the opposite of what it's supposed to be. <laughs> well, my suite is that I'm really busy at work. Yeah. So I'm doing overtime hours for the first time in, like, five years. Yeah. But it's making me feel like I'm actually doing something because in my mind I'm like, this is helping me pay for that. Right. Goddamn mammogram. Overtime pay. So it, it makes me feel like I'm doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm also glad that it's not at a time where I'm like, oh, God, I have to put in extra hours. But I'm like, oh, here's, like, a relatively easy way for me to make extra yeah. money. Like, I just do the job I normally do, but get paid time and a half and spend a few extra hours. That's really nice. A week doing that. So... That is my bittersweet <laughs> sweet. Yeah, that is not, that's not really a sweet, <laughs> but it sort of makes up for the salty a teensy bit. Yeah. 
And also the fact that I'm on a payment plan. I'm fortunate that they can yeah. do that for me. Yeah. Um, even though I had to spend a very stressful lunch break doing that. I honestly, right, I felt like, I felt like crying. Like when I was on the phone and it was like suddenly hitting me like, oh, I am going to have to pay this. I almost started crying when I was talking You're to like, the I woman. like, I can't believe this is legit. And then I ended my lunch break. Instead of feeling refreshed and ready to go back to work, I felt emotionally drained and just worn down. <sighs> it was bad. So bad. <laughs> but uh, hey, at least I don't have cancer yet. So. At least you checked. Yeah. <laughs> Cost you thousands of dollars. Yeah. But, you know. Remember to vote. Vote. Get registered if you're not. Also, um, if you aren't sure how to get registered and all that stuff, go to votesaveamerica.com. You can check your voter registration because also some people have been purged. So if you haven't voted check. in a while, check, check, they check, might check, have kicked check. you off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, votesaveamerica.com. You can check your voter registration and they will also give you like a fake poll. So wait, is that what it's called? A yeah. Qu- a poll? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Like when you go to vote? Yeah. Yeah. Like who's on the poll? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds weird to me. Um, yeah. So you can actually see who you're um, voting for in the most recent election and then go and do research on them and stuff. Right. Because sometimes they have those tricky questions, too. It's mm-hmm. like, would you vote yes for the way they work? It's like a double things? negative to confuse right. you. Right. Yep. Good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of important topics coming up in this election. So. Yes. Educate yourself. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> please. 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 All of us. <sighs> So today we have Ruby Josephine on the podcast. Hi, Ruby. Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, we're so excited because it's our first international guest. So. Yeah, so, I know. And Ruby, we both know from online yes. through Instagram mm-hmm. mainly. But Ruby and I have been friends, I think, for like five years. I think so. That we met through the food blogging scene. Yeah, exactly. So, Way yeah, back yeah. when. And, and I was a guest on Ruby's podcast, which we'll talk about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, a little introduction about Ruby for those who don't know her. Ruby Josephine is a contemporary dancer, choreographer, podcaster, and <laughs> creative artist based in Tangier, Morocco. Originally hailing from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Ruby has traveled with uh, traveled around the world as a travel dance nomad and is now based in Tangier where she not only choreographs and teaches dance, but she also produces her podcast process piece and writes weekly blog essays via her email newsletter, The Sunday Pancake. She's a traveler, creative, foodie, blogger turned podcaster, teacher, and definitely a soul sister for both Sarah and I. So please welcome our first international guest, Ruby. Aw, that was lovely. Thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction. I need to like steal that from my own bio. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely a soul sister. Like, yeah, there are so many similarities between yeah. the three of us. Because Ruby, I like I know with you and me, I feel like when we found each other online, it was Ruby's the kind of person where I was like, oh, Ruby's going to be my friend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for know, sure. Like, I felt the same way. Just so many like overlapping interests and like, you know, a similar yeah. sense of the world and food blogging and just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be friends. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Yeah. I felt exactly the same way. And what's funny is I met the two of you separately and only later realized, or it was introduced to both of you separately and only later realized that you're friends. So that was kind of oh, a yeah. funny thing to realize. So I was going to say, we met via Instagram later than that. It wasn't mm-hmm. five years, maybe yeah. like three years ago. And you were starting, well, yeah. you had been dancing and doing a lot of like creative travel sort of stuff. And I was doing the yeah. same too with my previous podcast. So exactly. we connected there. So I think I found mm-hmm. you I through listening to your podcast, actually. The OG one. That's so funny. Mm, yeah. OG podcast. <laughs> yeah. People still listen to it. It's weird. <laughs> That's that amazing. Well, it still holds up. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good to hear. That's good. So let's get into it. So um, you were originally from Minneapolis. And actually, yeah. we chatted on Instagram that you like had a big musical theater dance background. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> but eventually you are now you're now living in Tangier. So tell us about how that whole thing. Started. Yeah, I love oh this gosh. story, like <laughs> especially about like you how you like met your husband and ended up in Tangier. I think it's like so spoiler sweet alert, romantic. Sarah. Sorry. Yeah, spoiler. There's <laughs> some romance in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. So can you tell our listeners that yeah. story? Um, okay, how far back should I go? Because there's kind of the shorter and the longer version of this. Don't know how. Many- do the longer version. Longer version? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it I always it actually kind of started back when I was doing a nine month backpacking trip around Europe. So it's supposed to be kind of a gap year from college. Um, I didn't want to do study abroad. I wanted to do something a little bit more independent. Um, so I decided to go around Europe for nine months, but of course, nine months you can't actually travel only in Europe as an American. It would be you need like a whole visa for that. So I decided to try, I went to the UK for a little bit and then I wanted to go to Morocco. It was just kind of on my radar as a place I wanted to visit very randomly. I think I just knew like, oh, they speak French. I speak some French. I can like get by there. Um, So I got a little mini two month internship here actually during that backpacking trip. And it was at a little cinema house called the Cinema Reef. And it's kind of like an art house slash cafe. And they also have a little stage in front of their cinema. So I got here. I had like absolutely no idea what I was doing. I was in complete culture shock my first entire month. Um, I didn't really even like it that much for the first month, I think, just because it was so different from, you know, I'd been traveling around Europe before that. And while it was different, it's pretty similar still to the U.S. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it Morocco's was a different world. You you know that now exactly. Yeah. I want I want to hear about your trip at some point too. Um, yeah. But yeah, exactly. It was just a complete different world. And after my first month, after it had kind of like worn off the shock and everything, I ended up telling the cinema house, you know, I'm not really like helping you very much here. My French isn't as good as I thought it was. So what if I do a dance performance? Because I am a dancer choreographer. That's what I'm majoring in in college. And I ended up putting together a tiny show in like two weeks um, with some Moroccan dancers. And it was probably terrible, (laughs) to be honest. You know, the dancers worked super hard, really proud of them. Like, you know, we did the best we could for two weeks. But a lot of people surprisingly came to see it. And I met an American woman through that. And she said, you know, if you ever want to come back to Tangier, here's my contact. I used to dance when I was younger and we could probably get a grant together to do something. So I kind of had that like in mind, even as I kept traveling. Um, Spoiler here, also, I ended up not going back to college. (laughs) Um, I was like, so I was just so in love with traveling. And I felt like I was just learning so much more than I I went to Oberlin College before that, which is, I don't know if you know of it, but it's in like a tiny town in Ohio. Um, Okay. 
And it was just... Robert's my husband's from Ohio, so he's probably heard of it. He probably knows it then, yeah. It's just yeah. like a tiny town. You know, it's it's a great education there, but it just wasn't really wasn't really for me. I once you started traveling, you know, the world just completely opens up and I couldn't go back to a to a tiny place after that. Mm-hmm. Um so I tried living in Berlin for three months. Um, absolutely hated it. That's like a whole other story. <laughs> but uh, but it left me saying like I need some sunshine, I need some warmth, I need warm people and like a warm climate. So that's when I contacted the American woman and said, hey, would you want to actually do a project together? I'm, you know, on this side of the ocean and could come down to Tangier. And we ended up getting a grant from the U.S. Embassy to do a choreography project in Tangier that would travel a little bit around Morocco um, with Moroccan dancers. And I would basically be the lead choreographer, which was insane because I was 21 at the time. So yeah. this was like just an amazing opportunity. Usually dancers don't start to choreograph until much later in their careers. So it was really amazing to be able to do that. And it was only supposed to be four months. And I ended up um, meeting my husband, who was one of my dancers in the project. I fell mm-hmm. in love with Tangier all over again, um, found work at the conservatory where I still work. And everything just started to fall into place. And I was like, I guess, I guess this is my home now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you met your husband because he was one of your dancers. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I yeah. think I, when I heard you tell this story somewhere else, like, didn't you say something like you met him and he was one of your dancers and you were like, oh, no, he's going to be trouble for That's me. exactly <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. We had actually met when I worked at the Cinematheque, like, even years, mm-hmm. the year before that. Um, but just like super in passing, I knew I was going to be leaving, so I didn't really think much of it until we met mm-hmm. again at the audition for this other piece. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, oh, I don't know if we should hire this guy because this might like pr- cross some professional boundaries or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I knew. How did it go from like once your traveling dance thing ended, mm-hmm. were you already like, what was that decision like to then stay there? How did that happen? Um, I honestly don't know if it was really a decision until we decided to get married, almost. It was just kind of constantly having no other reason to leave, as opposed to a decision to stay mm-hmm. specifically, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I had a steady job already. I was teaching in a conservatory here, teaching classes every single week. Um, I started teaching yoga at a gym and it was just kind of all these things keeping me here. And I still travel and still do travel quite a bit outside of Morocco, um, you know, every couple months or something just because it's so easy. But yeah, I think it was just kind of this slow process of realizing that this is where I'm really comfortable at this point in my life. And this is where there's a lot of opportunities for me, surprisingly. So. Mm Yeah. So then how long ago is that? How long have you been living in Tangier now? Almost six years, which is crazy. Wow. It'll be six years like this coming January. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married. That'll Oh, my God. That'll be our fourth year. It'll be our four-year wow. anniversary in January, uh-huh. which is insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about um, trying to assimilate with, like, the Moroccan culture as an outsider? What, how was your experience with, like, assimilating trying to understand the differences culturally and everything that's going on there as opposed to like our American mindset because Mm -hmm. as someone who's gone to Morocco I thought I knew what I was going to be 
seeing and experiencing, but it was so, so much more than that. So mm-hmm. could you sort of expand on that? Yeah. So I think that was also just a really slow process that's kind of happened over the years. Um, the main point that really started to help me feel a little bit more assimilated is language. Um, because I, I came here knowing a decent base of French. I studied it, you know, as we do in high school, um, a little bit in university, but honestly, American language programs are pretty, I mean, I feel like we talked about this before, Laura. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I had like a grammatical base of French and I had to start teaching in French right away. So it was a pretty quick learning curve. Um, But I really quickly realized that even though it is a Francophone country, it's because it was colonized and the main language is Arabic here, a a Moroccan dialect Mm -hmm. of Arabic. And I realized like if I really want to get to know Moroccan people, I really should get to know this language. Um, it was also a big incentive to learn it that my dancers would often like talk about me in front of my face in Arabic (laughs) and I wanted to know what they were saying about me. (laughs) So that was like an extra (laughs) added incentive. Um, but I just, I started to kind of teach myself. I did a couple lessons with a friend here, kind of language exchange, English and Arabic and slowly started to just pick up words and phrases here. And that, that's really been, I think a big entry point into the culture because I think, especially a dialect like Moroccan Arabic really teaches you so much about the culture. Um, There's a lot of colloquialisms that are um, either religious based or just very based in their like culture of generosity and hospitality. And I think learning all of that um, just gave me so much deeper of an understanding and made me feel a lot more welcome too. Um, Because as opposed to some countries in Europe, Uh, You know, like when you go to Paris, if you speak in French to Parisians, they're going to be so snotty to you and just speak back (laughs) to you in English. (laughs) um, But here it's the complete opposite. I would say maybe one word in Arabic to someone and they'd be like, oh, my God, your Arabic is so good. How did you learn it? And so it's just this really like great appreciation of people trying. That's very motivating to keep going. And they really like... When I'm speaking to someone in Arabic now, they're like, oh, you're, you're Moroccan now. You're like one of us. And of, co- of course, it's like, I, w- I won't really be, but like, it's really sweet to feel welcomed in that way and to that depth. So that was, that was kind of the main point of starting to assimilate. Also the food, learning how to cook the food to bring Ooh, some of that foodie travel in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tell us what some of your favorite recipes are that you've learned to make since living mm. there. Um, there's so many. I mean, I love all the sweets here. They make these, mm-hmm. I don't know if you tried, Laura, when you were here, these date cookies. It's kind of almost like a shortbread cookie with date filling. Um, yeah, they're serious about dates. They're so like, good. Delicious. I love yeah. dates. Yeah. No, they're amazing. Um, and in terms of savory things, um, we make a lot of tagines at home now, actually, which are like the kind of slow cooked stews often with meat or vegetables or something. Um, I love a good chicken tagine with like the preserved lemon and olives and all that. We don't make that one as often, but his, um, my husband's mom makes it really well. Mm-hmm. You said the magic yeah. word, preserved lemons. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, that's what I was ordering day after day after day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Have you good. ever made your own preserved lemons? I've never tried, actually. It's something I keep wanting to do. I feel like I'm not great at like big cooking projects. Mm. Um, I should be more. I go through phases. But yeah, it's not something I've tried yet. So as an American, what foods do you crave the most that aren't available readily to you in Mm. Morocco? 
You know, actually, most things are available now. I would have said peanut butter like three years ago, but I've started being able to find like natural unsweetened peanut butter here, which is a miracle. So nice. more and more yeah. foods are coming in. Um, I can even find oat milk in the supermarkets here, which also blows my mind. Um, <laughs> so they're getting a lot of imported stuff that they didn't used to have. The biggest thing that I crave is going to sound so weird and so hippie, but I crave kale here because you can't find it anywhere. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I actually really like kale, you know, contrary to popular opinion, I really like how it tastes and I've never found it anywhere here. So I guess that's the one thing. What kind of green vegetables are you eating there? Um, they have a lot of, well, this is actually another funny little story. Um, they have something that I'm pretty sure is Swiss chard, um, but it's not mm. the rainbowy kind. It's just like a white stock. Um, right. but I, one of the first things that I started to learn in Arabic was the foods. Cause I would just go to the markets and just like, what is this? What is this? What is this? And I did that to, um, with the Swiss chard. And I had this one market guy that I was go that I would see. And he actually does speak a bit of English. And I said, Oh, do you know what this is called in English? And he just goes, um, leaf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is a leaf. So I just yeah. refer to it as leaf now. <laughs> leaf. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all we are eating. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's leaf, but I'm pretty sure it's Swiss chard based on photos and mm-hmm. some further study. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a popular. What about one. pizza? Are you able to get pizza there? That's. I mean, oh, that's funny. We actually just had pizza last night. My brother's been in town, and we just had a pizza night oh, with okay. him. But uh-huh. we we warned him in advance. We we're like Moroccan pizza. We've kind of. <laughs> Moroccanized it, yeah. <laughs> um, which means they, you know, it's not the greatest cheese. They don't have a big cheese culture here. Um, yeah. Very little sauce. They often put a lot of, you know, ground beef with spices or this kind of stuff on the pizza. And the one thing that I always tell my husband, I'm like, this would be sacrilegious in Italy, is they always put um, ketchup on pizza here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes even oh, like mayonnaise. It. Really Say weird. What? Sometimes even mayonnaise as well. Mayo. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. Uh, I, so when I, I was in when I was in Marrakesh, I saw places that advertised. They called it like Berber pizza. Oh yeah. And it was. Yeah. It's sort of it's sort of like that. It's like meat based mm-hmm. with like a flatbread. Yeah. At the bottom. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't order it though. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm in Morocco. I'm getting the authentic stuff. Now, granted, yeah. probably every place I did eat was probably made for tourists. So, <laughs> I mean, still, still, if you're eating yeah. tagines and like good salads and stuff, you're you're eating well. So, <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I would say about traveling to Morocco. I I feel like Luke and I always try to go and try to get like the most authentic experience. But yeah, because you are such an outsider as an American coming to Morocco, it's hard to have a really authentic experience, at least in Marrakesh. Yes, absolutely. You're obviously an outsider. So Mm -hmm. the places that cater to you are meant for tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Absolutely. There's less of that assimilation. Like when you go to Europe, you Mm -hmm. could. And that's especially true in Marrakesh. Yeah. And I would say, like, how would you how would you compare like Marrakesh to Tangier? Tangier is so much more calm, which is why I absolutely love loving living here, especially. Um, yeah. It's just a little. It's a bit smaller. It's still a big city, and it's growing every single day. Um, but it's you know a coastal town. It's very Mediterranean feeling, um, which I also love about it. Which means the culture is just very laid back. People are very laid back. Um, you know sleep in really late, dinner is super late. There's almost more um, Spanish influence here, which is also really Mm -hmm. interesting. A lot of the people speak Spanish as well because it's 
literally an hour by ferry. You can see Spain from most of the coasts here in Tangier. That's cool. When yeah. I went to Spain in high school, I was blown away because we went to the viewpoint where you can see Tangier. Yeah. Were you in Tarifa? No, it was, oh, shoot. There's Tarifa, there's Gibraltar. Gibraltar, that's Yes, yeah, yeah, like the weird British colony, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember being there and just being blown away as this high schooler that, like, that's Africa. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, it's insane. That is crazy. Yeah, so I, 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 it's cool that there's so many different influences, too. Yeah, I like that about it. It feels almost a little bit more international as opposed to just French and Moroccan, um, which I often find in, like, Casablanca or even Marrakesh sometimes. Um, why did I just get your text? Sorry, that's really weird. Your text just, like, popped up in big letters on the screen. Sorry, that's really bizarre. Um, anyway, yeah, Tangier, it's just, um, I feel like it's just a lot more livable. It's a little bit less touristy save for the giant cruise ships that come through every weekend. Mm-hmm. Other than that, um, yeah, it's just a nice kind of community here. It feels like a small city within a big city because the city center is quite small. So you're always right. like seeing people you know. Um, you know, you always get, go to the same shops and the same markets and everything. And yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Going back a little bit, I'm kind of fascinated by your decision to go backpacking around Europe for nine months by yourself as a college student. Yeah. It's like, to me, the th- I n- that cr- thought would never cross my mind, you know, when I was yeah. 20 years old or whatever. Um, but I'm also not as good at, like, long-term travel mm-hmm. as, like, Laura and Luke are. Sure. Why do you say that? I I get stressed. Yeah. Like, I, I need a like, home base. Okay, yeah, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, so, like... Living out of a suitcase and feeling kind of like... Right, you need to feel settled. Yeah, I need every, like, two weeks to kind of recharge in, like, my own place. Yeah. Um, But I'm also just kind of curious about the logistics of it, because I know, like, when I was in college, like, traveling for nine months by myself would basically have not been possible, like, financially and emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So... Like, who, like, where were you staying? Did you have friends you were staying with? Or, like, how did that work for you? It was, it was a mix. I, what's, it, that was all the way back in, what, 2012, 2013 now? So some of it is just a complete blur, and I'm like, how did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but back then, I just, I really knew that I wanted to travel independently. I, I never really liked programs that take you places. Um, I wanted to have more freedom of just, like, where I could choose to go and, like you said, like, where I could stay. I was staying mostly in hostels in the beginning. Um, Mm. I actually, well, the first three months I actually spent in London. So the first three months were pretty stable, and I had an internship there, and they were, like, putting me up in a house and everything. So that was um, kind of, like, the first three months taken care of. Yeah. And then after that, it was kind of random. I started with a sort of plan in my head of where I wanted to go and that just kind of went out the window as soon as I really started traveling because friends would pop up in different cities or I'd meet different people in hostels that were staying in a certain city longer. Um, I, ha- I did have a lot of friends that were studying abroad which helped because um, I would mm. stay with them in their homestays or in their dorms or whatever they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah it was kind of random. I don't really know how I did it either. <laughs> honestly I feel like it's one of those things you do when you're younger and you look back exactly like, what because I'm I've yeah. changed like I'm yeah. more like you know Sarah I'm like I need a home base yeah. at least you know like I can go away for maybe like three weeks at a time maximum but longer mm-hmm. than that without a home base feels really 
yeah unsettled yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah well had you traveled much before that because I mean that's pretty young to go on a huge travel thing but you said you love travel so what kind of traveling experience did you have that made you realize that that's what you wanted to do that's what's crazy is I didn't have a lot. My family, mm-hmm. was, like, we didn't travel a lot. My mom's a big traveler, and I do actually credit her a lot with the idea to go backpacking because she also took a gap year, or maybe it was just a semester, away from college, and she was an au pair in Paris, you know, the kind of classic mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yes. she also traveled around quite a bit, and she did that, I think, when she was about 20 or 21. So I was really, I was inspired by that, partially. That's cool. Um, but before that, I had done one, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of those like people to people, GYLC, these, these like young leader programs there where they take you okay. traveling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I got nominated for one of those. Um, and the first one I was in sixth grade and I went to Washington DC, which is like, that was exciting at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't remember girl. anything yeah. about it now. I think right. we spent yeah. most of the time like in a conference center. Um, right. <laughs> but because of that same program, I was able to go on a trip in high school where we went to Vienna, Budapest, and Prague. And Ooh. it was only, I think it was only two or three weeks, um, but I absolutely loved it. Um, I also, even when I was like 16, I was like, I don't want to be told what to do here. I just want to go explore. So I think already I had that mentality of just, I really wanted my independence, um, Mm -hmm. even on this like organized trip where, you know, everything was taken care of and it was very comfortable. That just wasn't really my vibe, I guess, for traveling. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I think I just always kind of had it in me. It wasn't like I was a really big traveler with my family or anything or always going everywhere in high school. It was kind of just, I knew it's what I needed to do at that time. Yeah. yeah. Just like deep in your soul. Curiosity. I think so. I think so. (laughs) And so now you do, you know, following you online and stuff, Mm -hmm. you are constantly going to other countries. And I see you do a lot of like yoga retreats or dancing Mm -hmm like things in other places. So yeah, is that something you set up for yourself to make sure that you're traveling a lot? It's actually more to set up so that I'm dancing a lot, um, okay. which, which that's, that's changed. I, I'd say my first two years living here, it was definitely more just for the traveling experience. Um, but as I've gotten more and more serious about being a dancer and choreographer, I've realized for all the amazing things about living in Tangier, it doesn't have any sort of contemporary dance scene whatsoever um there is there's a growing hip-hop scene um there's several great ballet teachers but I'm kind of as far as I know one of the only stable contemporary dancers and teachers living here um and I've had some people come in and out I know in other Moroccan cities there's a lot more of a big scene um but I can't really train myself that much here I mean I can do my own training in the studio solo but I really miss that input from other dancers and being able to take other classes so often mm-hmm. when I'm traveling for these dance things now, it's so that I can go get more training to come back and teach more and right. choreograph more. So yeah, yeah. continuing education. And exactly. It just happens to be you're in mm-hmm, yeah. Portugal or wherever it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't been to Portugal yet, though. That's somewhere I really need to go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it deep within I've heard <laughs> amazing things. Yeah. It, as a foodie traveler, you would... Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It looks oh. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and it's not too far. I need. I don't know why I haven't been there yet. Add it to the bucket list, girl. Yeah. I will. I definitely will. <laughs> so I sort of want to veer the conversation a little left. Yeah. Maybe. Wherever. Go for right, it. Left. <laughs> um, so you originally started as a food blogger. Yes. Correct? Well. Uh, as far as like your online. Online. Yeah. yeah. I actually, 
I don't know when what blog did I have when we met Sarah was um, I already blogging just under Ruby Josephine because I had one before no, it that was the half halves. full yeah yeah that one yeah so I've gone <laughs> through I'm one of those people that's just really like ADD about my blogs I think <laughs> um, I have a hard time yeah, yeah yeah I have a hard time sticking to like one concept um, so mm-hmm. it actually started way back in college um, when I was going to Oberlin and I'm, I'm someone who, I'm such a procrastinator, but I'm a very, I call myself like a productive procrastinator um, because I'm always like doing something that I, for me is like, oh, I'm doing something that means something, even if I'm putting off what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, so that started as food blogging for me because I started reading all these food blogs and I actually went vegan for a couple years in college, um, okay. as you do. Yeah. <laughs> and, as one does. Yeah. So I had, I had a blog called That's So Vegan. For like two years. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is it it's, still It online? still exists. Yeah, it still exists. Unfortunately, you can still go read the like weird inside of my college student brain. Oh my <laughs> I love it. That's so vegan. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, that, is a, that was like so my Raven introduction. And what's, right? what's, I actually didn't watch that So Raven. I just thought oh. it sounded catchy. And then later people were like, oh, that's So Raven. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I didn't even put that together until later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my like intro into food blogging was through, uh, I don't know, experimenting with being vegan, I guess. Uh, and then when I started traveling, I kept it for a little bit, but then I quickly stopped being vegan. I just started eating eggs and then eventually meat and then eventually cheese again. Um, mm-hmm. So then I switched over to Half Full as kind of a travel slash food blog. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then moved it all over to Ruby Josephine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I've kind of faded out of the food blogging, I guess. Yeah, We're very so, similar in that. Yeah, nice. were you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've all kind of like relaxed on our blogs yeah. a bit. So yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask you because you recently kind of made made it known through like your newsletter and stuff that you've officially kind of backed off a bit from blogging. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that decision? Like, what made you? Yeah, lean that way. Well, one thing, part of it was I just stopped blogging as I was traveling. It just kind of stopped becoming a priority, I guess, and I couldn't find time for it, and I was always having to put things off. Um, But then actually on the podcast, I interviewed, you guys know Renee Bird from Will Frolic for Food? Yeah, Yeah, so I had an interview with her, and she was also, she has a performance background. Um, She also does like music and did theater. And she was talking about how blogging is kind of like one long, never-ending performance. Um, Mm. Because as someone with a performance background, you're used to this like intensive process, and then you give the performance, and then you strike it, and it's done. But with blogging, you never have that. It's just continuously ongoing, and you have to change with it and adjust with it. And I think it was just getting really tiring for me and I was just creating a lot of burnout and it wasn't quite Mm -hmm. as fulfilling as it used to be and I still love to write which is why I'm still writing my newsletters Um, Mm -hmm. but blogging just kind of felt like shouting into a void where you're not sure who's listening Mm -hmm. and you're not sure yeah I just kind of lost sight of why I was doing it I think and other other things started to become more important Yeah. yeah yeah I'm curious you guys too have kind of trailed off a little bit with that Mm -hmm. similarly I still love writing but the whole idea of like making a brand and it's like you said an ongoing performance it felt exhausting Mm -hmm. because 
you're constantly feeling the pressure of like, did I just not post enough? Like, what's my readership? Like, what mm-hmm. would anyone else want to hear? It's like, well, why don't we switch that around? Why is this something that stressed me out? Yeah. Really? And I yeah. think like the reward of blogging has really diminished over time mm-hmm. and the amount of effort needed has increased. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's like you're constantly putting in more work and getting less, less out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, is why podcasting for us mm-hmm. was something that we just were like, we're going to do this. It's going to be chill. We're going to hang out and talk about things that we already yeah. like to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Makes so much sense. And yeah. So like you've also, you know, transitioned to be being a podcaster. So how mm-hmm. do you feel about podcasting versus blogging? I've been getting so much more out of podcasting so far because I think the thing that I always wanted blogging to be about more was more about the conversation and the dialogue that it could create. Um, And I would get that occasionally with comments or people, you know, in person telling me that, oh, this made me think about something. But, you know, podcasting, it's really a direct conversation, whether it's just like with the person that you're interviewing or with the people who then listen to the interview. And it just feels a lot more personal. And I feel like I'm getting so much out of the people that I've already talked to. I feel like I'm getting so much more inspiration. And it's a lot less about me, too, which is kind of nice because I feel like already as a dancer and in some of my other work, it's very much about me and myself and what I'm trying to create. And so it's really nice to have an exchange with someone else about what that is for them. Yeah. 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 And it's talking about conversations that you already have such a curiosity and experience in. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, at least for me, when I was doing Roman Go Lightly, it was all stuff that I wanted to discuss, but it wasn't readily available to me person to person. But right, yeah. through the magic of the internet and podcasting mm-hmm. and having a platform, you can have those conversations more regularly and mm-hmm. they're just more meaningful. And I know for like what we're doing with Passports and Pizza, it's just like we want you to feel like you're hanging out with your friends and yeah. we're your foodie exactly. travel cocktail friends. Yeah. Right? So... <laughs> And I totally feel that, by the way. I listen to your podcast, and I'm like, I need a dose of, like, America. (laughs) You know, or just, like, being in America and hanging out with my friends, you know? that's I get a little bit of that, so it's nice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and for me, too, it's, like, process piece started because I I really want to start collaborating with more artists in any way possible. And since it's always, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to bring people here physically, um, just being able to talk to them at least about their process as a way to kind of create some sort of collaboration. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy how those connections do sometimes come up out of the blue. Yeah. My job with Dame Traveler came from me interviewing her. Really? Yeah. Connection made. Boom. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those connections, I mean, it's just, especially when you have a, like a face-to-face conversation like we're having right now, mm-hmm. it means so much more and there's more of a connection than whatever sort of messages you could be sending over, yeah, like the internet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, since we're talking about it, can you tell our listeners more specifically what your podcast is about? Yeah. Yeah. So it's called Process Piece, as I said. Um, And it's basically in-depth conversations with artists of all mediums. And I'm really trying to make it from all over the world. So I want it to be a very international platform. Um, Mm -hmm. Conversations with artists just about their process and about what made them the artists they are today. Um, The, you know, specific projects they're working on and really digging into um, what the process of making that project looks like. And then kind of also, just the future of where they're going, maybe the future of art in general, um, what being an artist means to them, 
Um, so just kind of tackling a lot of the big questions, but trying to do it in more tangible ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of good, interesting conversations you're having over there. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It's interesting because it's a process of making it in itself because I'm super new to podcasting and it's, it's just a really different medium for me. I'm so used to writing and I was, I was telling, I think everyone, probably my friends, my husband, everyone, after I started it, I was saying like, why did I do this? Cause I actually, I hate talking on the phone. I used to feel very <laughs> awkward with Skype conversations. Um, mm-hmm. I've always, like, when I was younger, I thought of myself as slightly socially awkward. And I was just like, I feel like I'm putting myself in this position to feel all of those things all over again. Yeah, um, right. But that's, I mean, that's part of it is just learning to overcome that and learning to become a better mm-hmm. listener and become a better question asker. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, all of those things are definitely going into it. And I hear a difference every single episode. And I, find different things for myself every episode so it's been yeah it's been really interesting so far so all those things are getting a little easier exactly yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. definitely definitely little by little I feel that too like the first couple times we recorded yeah you kind of feel very self-conscious yeah Yeah. and and whatever but now we just kind of like okay we're recording okay cool and then (laughs) yeah just go start talking and you know it's just whatever yeah yeah (laughs) exactly exactly it gets a lot easier each time Mm-hmm. Oh man, definitely. Yeah. Well, before we before we like share where everyone can find you online, yeah. where they can subscribe to the podcast and everything, could you give us some like foodie slash travel recommendations for Tangier, or maybe mm. just Morocco? Yeah, because I know that can be hard to choose just one or two places. But okay, if someone's on their way, they're like, "Hey, I think I'm going to go fly to Morocco." What like places would you suggest or experiences for them? To okay. Have? Well, I would definitely recommend the desert for sure. Now that I've done it twice officially, I had not done it until this year. Like it took me five years to finally do it. It was Um, so amazing. It's incredible to do the actual desert excursion and like stay out in a tent in the dunes and get to ride the camels and everything. It's, it sounds kind of like a tourist gimmick, but it's not, it's really stunning and incredible and all the people that hosted are so friendly. The food was amazing. Um, yeah, I don't think totally you can go agree. wrong with that, honestly. So magical, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's something you should definitely do in terms of all of Morocco. In terms of Tangier specifically, um, are you looking for more, like, specific restaurants? Or what kind of... Sure. How, how specific really. should I get? <laughs> um, <laughs> there is... There is this, there's this one restaurant here that I always send people to. It's called Restaurant Bashir. And it's funny because when I first uh, came here, it had no sign. It, had, it was just kind of a little ho- hole-in-the-wall place with no menus. You just kind of go and ask, like, what's good today? And they'll bring you some stuff, some very local, very kind of home-cooked sort of Moroccan food. Um, mm-hmm. But now they're on TripAdvisor. They have a big sign. They have menus. They've expanded. Like I'm, But it's still the same owner. He's just, like, really, I guess, doing really well and playing it up for the tourists a little bit. But the food quality is still amazing. So I always send people there. Um, Sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, it's probably the closest you'll get in terms of, like, home-cooked Moroccan food. Um, they call it, like, a shabby restaurant, which means kind of just, like, local, popular place. Um, so it's definitely the best <laughs> among those. <laughs> awesome. Another yeah. question that um, we like to ask all of our guests now that we've had what? <laughs> Am I the, I think I'm the second. 
yeah, yeah. that I've heard. Second, aside from our significant the men others. in our lives. Right. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. That was fun. <laughs> um, what is your perfect pizza? Oh, man. I should have, like, prepared that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love a or good... Or has it changed since living in America versus living in Tangier? Hmm. That's a good question. I definitely crave more. I I used to always go for more of the kind of artisan sourdough crust, more almost classic Italian style um, Mm -hmm. when I was in America, which I still absolutely love. But I feel like now that I'm here and I can't get those like big, giant, greasy American slices, I really miss that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I love both of those styles. I love a good, just like vegetarian pizza. I like a lot of veggies on my pizza. It's mm-hmm. usually what I get here. Um, yeah. When you go yeah. home to Minneapolis and you go out for pizza, There's, mm-hmm. where do you go? When I where? When you go home to Minneapolis, that's where you're from, right? Minneapolis. Oh yeah, yeah, from Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, just cut out for a sec. Um, <laughs> I always go to this place called Pizza Luce. I think it's just a Minnesota chain, as far as I know, or maybe even just Minneapolis Twin Cities. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so good. It's I think it's like sourdough crust, kind of somewhere in between, like very artisan, but still like you know a very hearty amount of cheese, kind of American style. Um, I always mm-hmm. get one there called the Pizza Athena, so it's kind of Greek. Uh, it has oh, no. Kalamata olives and feta and spinach and yeah, it's it's just amazing. It's really good. That's I always good. get that. Actually, we have a tradition of getting that like the first night that I come home. Every time mm-hmm. I come home, we always get pizza luce for dinner. So that's a nice little tradition. <laughs> I love food that's traditions awesome. like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Isn't that so like cozy and like mm-hmm. makes you just happy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. it does. I'm coming home for Christmas, so I'm like already looking forward to that. Oh, Amazing. yeah. That's great. How yeah. long do you get to be home for? Um, I haven't bought the flights yet, but probably about two weeks. That's usually what oh. I try to do. If I'm going to fly yeah. all that way, I try to make it at least two weeks because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a long haul. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long flight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, if you're ever on the East Coast... Hit us up. Hit us up. I will, absolutely. <laughs> I would love <Yeah>. to. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was super fun to chat with you. You're yeah, welcome. This yeah. is great. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you online? You can find me uh, through my website at rubyjosephine.com. Um, my podcast also lives there mostly, which is just you know, under the podcast tab on my website. Um, but it's also on iTunes and Spotify and I think most other podcast platforms. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, uh, at Ruby Josephine Smith and at process piece for the podcast. I think those are the main places. I don't, I have a Facebook page and a Twitter account, but I go through phases of updating that and not. Does anyone yeah. use Twitter anymore, by the way? <laughs> I, I like do it for scrolling. Yeah. I, I just want to like every scroll. day, but I barely, but I oh, barely really? tweet. Okay. I barely tweet. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I find actually a lot of fun things on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter can be kind yeah. of a discover page yeah. and it like kind of, um, the algorithm, you know, mm-hmm. makes it specific for you. <laughs> the That's discover nice. page. Yeah. I would say I'd choose Twitter over Facebook cause Facebook's just, yeah. That's just a personal thing. Yeah. That's true. Same. And uh, no, I think everyone's kind of starting to get tired of Facebook for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of Moroccans yeah. still use it, but yeah. they're usually a couple years behind. 
I would say Facebook is like the place I'm always like, are you guys on Facebook? If I meet someone internationally mm-hmm. and that way you mm-hmm. can sort of connect with them. So if you wanted to like reach out again and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But it started to be more Instagram. I've noticed like whenever yeah. I go to like dance intensives and meet people now, they're always like, oh, what's your Insta? So <laughs> I think even that's starting to change. <laughs> I kind of love that, though. I'd rather see your like yeah. beautiful yeah. pictures than see your annoying uh yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so long story short, yeah, website and Instagram are definitely the best places. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon on the internet. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on to a listener question. Okay. Question is, what are we currently reading? What's our favorite book of all time? This is from at Steph underscore LD Baking on Instagram. Is that a friend of yours? Yeah, she's like a friend through food blogging and stuff. Nice. I didn't recognize the name, but hi, Steph. (laughs) Yeah. Good question. We love books, obviously, so. Yeah. What What are you currently reading? Well, I'm currently reading a couple books. Me too. I'm between, like, <laughs> multiple books. So I have Michelle Obama's book, nice. Becoming, is on my shelf. I've been slowly reading that, kind of, like, in between other books and whatever. And then also I started the book that Robert wants me to read, Name of the Wind, <laughs> a.k.a. North of the Wind. Songs of the Wind. Yes. <laughs> um, but he's kind of mad at me because since it's, like, around Halloween time... I started reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark. <gasps> and it's so good. It's so good. It's like, she is such a good writer. Yes, so she for is. anyone who doesn't know, it's by Michelle McNamara. It's about the Golden State Killer who was, who, he was um, found like weeks after her book was released. It was the very book, short. The book was released pre- before any of mm-hmm. this DNA, yeah. his arrest, anything. I don't know how what that time I difference was. I think it was, was a, within a month or two after the book's release that he was But found. this woman was obsessed with the Golden State Killer mm-hmm. long before, like, any of this had begun. Right. And she also coined the phrase Golden State Killer. Because yes. he's, like, the East Area Rapist and she linked them together. Um, yeah. The Vince, the Vizalia Rapist. Uh, Vincelia Ransacker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all of these names, but the, it's all one person and she just said right the golden state killer because he just went up and down the coast and just yeah and she was just a writer with a true crime like passion um but also she died before finishing the book Mm -hmm. so then two researchers like journalist friends took her notes and helped to piece the rest of the book together and also she was married to the actor Patton Oswalt so he has I think the afterword or something in the book yeah Um, He was obviously a big part of getting the book finished. Yeah. Um, But it's amazing because she was interested in this case as a side hustle for years before, mm -hmm. even before the whole true crime community sort of came out of its shell with podcasts and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. She was interested in this like years before any of this. Yeah. She she had a blog called True Crime Diary. Yes. And it was an, it was an obsession for her. Like Mm -hmm. on her days off, she would go drive to those areas trying to understand the lay of the land and all. Her book was fascinating. Yeah. And I'm only like 75 pages in so far, but it's different than I expected 
where it's talking a lot about her and how she got into it, but she's really good at weaving in her personal story with the details of the case. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just now getting into the um, really scary parts, because everyone says this book is terrifying. Oh, it is. And actually, I think last night I had a mini nightmare <laughs> about, like, him, like, watching me from outside the word, window. Yeah, word to the wise, do not read this book at night if you mm-hmm. sleep on the first floor. Oh, yeah. Like, also, just don't sleep on the first floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if avoidable. Yeah. Seriously. Just don't. Yeah. But yeah, I re- I was reading that book at night and I realized at a certain point, I was like, I can't read this. So I had to read it at the beach. That was a beach read for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I made the mistake the other night of I've been watching that show Unbelievable on Netflix mm-hmm. about, it's based on a true story about a serial rapist. I watched an episode of that and then got in bed and was reading her book. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> and then Heavy. I, and then I think I finished with like three pages of North of the Wind to kind of cleanse my palate. North of the Winds. Wait, crap. Name of the Wind. Names I of can the never... Winds. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Songs of the Winds. <laughs> it's what Robert suggested on our episode with, with the guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, th- so you're reading sort of a fantasy novel and I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And Michelle Obama's. And Michelle Obama's. I'm, yeah. not, I'm between two books. So I am reading one nonfiction and then one fiction. I'll do the nonfiction first, which was I'm reading The Nordic Theory of Everything, oh. which I will give to you and I will let you read a sampling of because they talk about all of the structures that make Scandinavian countries why their world happiness index is so high, why their maternal and paternal leave is, like, so amazing, why their school systems are doing so well. Yeah. And, like, the whole philosophy and mindset of, yes, we're paying taxes, but it's coming back and it's helping us. And just the structural things that have already been set in place for those countries. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like a deep dive into their cultural structure and philosophy. That's cool. It's really good. And I would say for anyone who's interested in Scandinavia... A lot of it has to do with their surroundings, and it's told mm. through the perspective of um, an immigrant to America. She's from Finland, mm-hmm. and she's a hardworking, English-speaking immigrant who marries an American, mm-hmm. moves to America, and by all accounts, she thinks, I should be assimilating just fine, like, I should be all right, mm-hmm. I speak the language, but she's really struggling to understand why she does not fit in in America. Mm-hmm. So that sort of starts her journey into checking That's in cool. to her whole like cultural background of being from Finland. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's told through a perspective of a Finnish immigrant to America. So she sees mm. both sides to it. Yeah. It's a really, really good book. Yeah, that sounds really but interesting. But it is pretty dense, so mm. it's not super dense. It's not like I'm reading, like, Proust or something, but mm-hmm. it's it's something I can only read in small chunks. Yeah. The other book I just started, which I believe you would be excited for, is The Testaments. Oh, yeah. I need to read that. Yeah. Did you buy it or are you library? My mom gave it to me to read, and then I have to give it back to her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, did she already read it? I think she did. She, so like, could ripped I through it. borrow it? Yeah. Before you give it back to her? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so, if you don't know, The Testaments is the sequel slash, I guess, addition to the storyline yeah. of um, Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale. Isn't so, it set quite a few years later? Yes. Okay. And I've only read the first two chapters, but I ripped through them. Okay. And I think she's such a good writer. Mm-hmm. And... I'm excited to see it. Because I haven't really watched 
any of the second or third season of But Handmaid's did you read Tale? the original book? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then I watched mm-hmm. the first season, and then mm-hmm. I sort of took a pause and didn't start watching, and I mm-hmm. began season two, but then, I don't know if my headspace just wasn't right, I, like, mm-hmm. couldn't watch more than an episode, and I just mm-hmm. sort of fell off, but anyway, the book is really good so far, so that's what oh, I'm That's reading. cool. Yeah. Well, my favorite book of all time... Oh, yeah. ...is a book called Beauty by... I think the author's name is Robin McKinley, and it's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast, which nice. I love retellings of fairy tales, yeah, especially Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> but I love this one, and it, it kind of has, it feels more like a true fairy tale, mm-hmm. but novel length mm-hmm. in the way it's told. Um, so that's like my original favorite. I've read it several times. But this author, 20 years later, because I think Beauty was written in the 80s, so then 20 years later she wrote another one called Rose Daughter, mm-hmm. which is another retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but it's like a different spin on it, also by her. And I also love that one. Mm-hmm. So if you like that kind of stuff, I'd recommend reading Beauty and then reading Rose Daughter. Cause nice. they Like, they both have her sense of, like, magical... Like realism almost, mm-hmm. but very different vibes at the same time. Yeah. I mean, whenever cool. someone asks me my favorite book, I feel like I'm cheating because my answer is the whole Harry Potter series. <laughs> so, uh, but it, like for me, it's like, how do you choose from your favorite children, you know? Mm. So I'm a book three person. I would say. Azkaban. Actually, I was talking about this last night, but um, I would say if I had to choose between, I would choose either book four, Goblet of Fire, or. Mm. Book six, which I think a lot of mm. people don't like book six, Half-Blood Prince. Mm. But anyway, I liked book four because it's like this world expands in a whole new way. And mm-hmm. it also gets darker. Well, I guess Azkaban's pretty yeah. dark. Three but... was my favorite in five. Order of the Phoenix was my second favorite. See, I didn't like Order of the Phoenix as much. Anyway, the whole <laughs> Harry Potter series to me is like a nostalgic, cozy, warm hug. Mm. Like... Any any time of the year, I could crack open those books and just feel amazing. And yeah. the world that J.K. Rowling was able to create is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's my answer. Mm. The whole series. Yeah. So <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> What's um, your favorite Harry Potter book? <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched the uh, Fantastic Beasts and where I they can't came stand from that crap. I can't stand it. Well, so like it's we, so bad. We watched the first movie on the HBO Go app. While can't, ago. I can't. And we were like, okay, but then we recently watched the second one. No. It was terrible. No. It's so bad. It's, it's so bad. It's like, I, I love J.K. Rowling, but mm-hmm. the side books were just made to be more information mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. We don't need a storyline that doesn't even yeah. exist. Well, also in the second movie, there is no storyline. Like, right when it got <laughs> to the point where I was like, oh, is something about to happen? The movie ended. Not interested. <laughs> not interested. And I'm, al- I'm also not interested in the whole Harry Potter, uh, oh my god, what's the play? Oh. I don't remember I, the name. I read it, and I hated it. Is this the one, it's like very adult? 
I don't think so, no. Or is that a different play that Daniel Radcliffe did where he was like... That was Equus. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I got that mixed up. No, that's where he, like, no. That was where he was, like, naked on stage. Yeah. No, that's not it. But the play, oh, my God, what is it called? I can't can't believe I can't remember this book. Cursed Child? The Cursed cursed Something. Yeah, I think it was The Cursed Child. I can't stand these things. (laughs) Just keep it to the originals. We're done. Yeah. If J.K. Rowling herself herself writes another book, mm-hmm. I will read it. Mm-hmm. She didn't I, write The Cursed Child? No. She, oh. like, gave it her, like, stamp of approval. Okay. Because these people wrote the script. And it's it's actually a play script. It's not, like, a story yeah. when you read it, like, uh-huh. the book. I hated it. I hated every single mm. minute of it. Once she actually writes something else, I will read it. Mm. But all these additional movies yeah. and... I can't. Yeah. No. The only good thing about the second movie was Jude Law as young Dumbledore. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> Getting yeah. hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> that got my stamp of approval. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, but no, I can't stand any of those additional mm-hmm. books. Yeah. Good question, though. Yeah, I like that question. Yeah. Recommendations? Yeah. Um. So, as usual, I have a podcast to recommend. <laughs> Bless <me>. you. <laughs> uh, so, this actually came by way of my friend Phil, who listens to the show. So, hey, Phil. Um, hey, Phil. Haven't met you, but hey. <laughs> um, it, I think it was after we were talking about Lizzo. Mm-hmm. He texted me to recommend this podcast. It's called Switched on Pop. Oh, I've heard of this. It's I like think... pop culture news, right? No, it's um, pop music. Oh. So, they break down pop songs, or like each episode a lot of times it'll be about one song or maybe it's about one artist and uh-huh. they kind of veer off but it's very nerdy about the um the actual writing and creation of the song and kind of why it makes you f- feel the way it makes you feel or they might talk about things it's referencing and play other songs like oh this part of it reminds me of this and they play it and you can hear what they're talking That's about cool. Or they'll get really nitpicky about a sound in the background and the way it was produced and what that means. and Or about the lyrics and how the music matches the lyrics or whatever. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, it's really fun because I have a musical background of, you know, played piano for years and mm-hmm. was in band and all that stuff. But I never really had intense, like, music theory Oh yeah. in my, you know, education. I feel like this would be, like, so up my alley. Yeah, I think you would love it. So... And also because it's pop music, which is not often approached from that, you know, yeah, intellectual people standpoint. people think pop is just fluffy yeah. nonsense stuff. And I think actually the two guys who started the podcast admit eventually that when they started the show, they didn't really like pop music that much. But by doing the show, they've really come to appreciate it. Yeah. So um, in particular, there's an episode that Lizzo is on as a guest where nice. they're talking about the Janelle Monet song, I think it's called Makes Me Feel. Mm-hmm. And the second half of that episode, they break down Truth Hurts with Lizzo. <laughs> nice. But it's really fun because they're pointing out things in her song that she didn't even think about consciously when they were making it. And she's like blown away by, by the things they're saying about it. That's cool. But you also hear more about how the song got written on her end. And what inspired it and stuff like that. That's very cool. So that's really cool. They have another episode that's all about her newest album. Um, They have a good handful of Taylor Swift-themed ones that I love. They have one about the recent Shawn Mendes song, um, If I Can't Have You or whatever. 
that one was really interesting. So yeah, it's like, it's really fun, especially if you know the song, but right. even if you don't, I feel like it could really help you appreciate a song that you've been kind of meh about. Yeah. So I'm obsessed. I've been going back through the back catalog and I'm just Is loving it, it. Do they use curse words? Um, no, I don't think they do. Because I would love to do this with my class. That would actually be really awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. have them choose an episode and then basically summarize whatever they've learned. Yeah. That would be an amazing assignment. I'm pretty sure they don't. I'll, or even if I selected a few, I'd be like, you can choose one of these. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but That's awesome. now that you say it, I don't think they've, yeah. But it's really well produced. The guys are very thoughtful who yeah. do it. It's That's awesome. awesome. That yeah. is very cool. So thanks, Phil. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds really up my alley. Mm-hmm. My recommendation is actually, we recommended this product before, but okay. I finally tried it out for myself, and yeah. I want to double recommend this. All right. Glossiers. The uh, Generation G. Generation G. I'm got, wearing it right now. I got Zip. Oh, I got Zip this yeah. summer. Zip that is my summer color. is a poppy red color. Mm-hmm. And I swear it's the color that would look good on basically everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an orangey sort of yeah. poppy red. An orangey pink yeah. color. It's not super brighter in your face, but yeah. it's it's a little color that would be like, ooh, what's she wearing? Yeah. It's, it's like you blotted your lips from it's lipstick. It's so easy to put on. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I'm I wearing it. it in jam today, and I have it in my purse so I can touch it up later. Well, I, you know, I, do, I use Glossier's face wash, the Milky Jelly, just as, mm-hmm. like, my first wash, and then I use, like, you know, whatever, get out of the makeup off. But I, like, I, I'm not, like, a super Glossier f- fan, but mm-hmm. I like their face wash, and now this Generation G, dude, yeah. Yeah. So, I eventually want to have, like, all the colors. Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to try a cake or Leo or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the color, if you're looking for a, a color that'll just add a little brightness to your face, what is mm-hmm. she wearing? Is she mm-hmm. wearing a little bit of lipstick? Or, or is she just, like, flushed? Right. It's very, it's very, <laughs> it's chill makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you just do the one swipe, yeah. it's just a nice color, but you could do Layer two it. or three and have it really Oh, pop. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it just it just kind of feels like your lips. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's not drying. No. It's not sticky. No, it feels like your lips, and it it doesn't wear off really easily. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Double endorsement. Double endorsement. <laughs> Check it out. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for joining. If you're loving the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Every review helps us with the annoying iTunes algorithm. And don't forget to send your questions on food, travel, or anything else, really, whatever's on your mind. We want to hear from you. You can contact us on Instagram. We're at Passport Pizza Pod, or you can leave us a voicemail at 717-964-0215. And you can also email us at hello at passportsandpizza.com. Yeah. And, and anything really is up for game, up yeah. for grabs. Like, we're, we'll do it. Yeah. Or game. <laughs> anyway, our show notes with all the links and details with the products and recommendations from this episode can be found at our website at www.passportsandpizza.com. And if you want to see what's going on in our day-to-day life, you can follow us each individually on Instagram. I'm at Sarah underscore Cornelius underscore, and that's Sarah with no H. And Laura is at Roman Golightly, and that's R-O-A-M. Yeah. And last but not least, a big thank you to my brother, Will Gingrich, for our theme music. 
And also, thanks again to our friend Ruby for being our guest on this episode. First international guest. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next episode. Talk to you next time. Peace. Bye. Yum. So, can you explain something? Because we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs>